In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, joined by Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King. And uh, there was a lot of basketball news today. The NBA is coming back. We will talk about that in the second half of the show, but I don't think I can honestly come back to being on airwaves or having a platform um, without kind of giving some sort of thought or reflection on the kind of recent events in America. Um, And I think this is something both Jay and I have struggled with because uh, we don't want to be just kind of white guys talking about the issue. And this is something that Jay and I have talked about uh, leading up to the show. And I think the where I stand is um, I don't think I can offer any kind of perspective on how it feels to be black in America or anything uh, regarding police brutality. But I think it's important for me to, as a white person, point out injustice. And I think that's where I've failed in the past, uh, especially as someone who has the career I do in which I study or actively work in criminal justice reform. I'm very knowledgeable. I, I, I think about the issue, but I didn't feel comfortable in the past saying anything or pointing things out that were incorrect. And I think there's a lot of shame um, that comes with that. And so I think that I just, I I guess I want to apologize for being complicit in in not pointing out uh, the horrible injustice that is uh, police brutality, that is um, the criminal justice system in this country and and basically systemic racism it's an uncomfortable conversation for, uh, frankly for me to have. And it's not something that I like want to do, but not having it is kind of an act of cowardice. Um, I was going to say at this point, but it was an act of cowardice before. And so I just wanted, I felt like I needed to say something now and I will continue to say something um, moving forward. And it's just in the past is to just the unwillingness to have an uncomfortable conversation has been, it's just felt, embarrassing you talk about two white guys having a conversation about this why shouldn't two white guys be having a conversation about this like this is why can't two white guys be appalled at some of the shit that has gone on in this country and like honestly obviously we've seen Jalen Brown Marcus Smart Ennis Cantor Vincent Poirier out there protesting against the police brutality, the recent police brutality after George George Floyd was killed. We've seen so many athletes use their voices. We've seen Steven Jackson become a 
incredible activist. Uh, I mean, he his voice has been so powerful throughout all of this. But why can't two white guys sit here and say that it's disgusting and that the police brutality is disgusting? And obviously this is a complicated conversation, but to me, like, these protests are a start. The, the voices being heard, especially from a young generation, is is promising but there's so much shit that has to change and i mean you talk about and and this is where you talk about we shouldn't have been silent all along and i don't think i was totally silent all along but like i the day donald trump was elected president i was sick i was sick to my stomach because i don't give a damn about policies like I, i i do give a damn about policies but all of that pales in comparison to just being a decent human being. And we elected a known bigot and we elected someone who has proven since that he's certainly not against dividing the country. It seems like he tries to use dividing the country as a tool, which is disgusting. And, and like the day that he was elected, I was sick because not just because of who was elected, but we as a country elected a man who had a past of saying just racist, bigoted shit. And that's disgusting to me. And it was disgusting to me, and it was a dark day when he was elected. And I know that this is probably going to piss off some people who listen to this podcast. I know that some of you probably voted for Trump. Some of you may vote for Trump again. I... But I think that instinct right there is like is a lot of the issue. It's where it's like we don't we treat sports as like we want to appeal to everyone. Like we want to have people enjoy uh, us discussing the Celtics, and it's like an uncomfortable conversation. Where yeah, Trump got elected and it was upsetting, but then it didn't really affect our day to day lives uh, after that. It's not something that we remained upset about enough to say something. I mean, at least from my perspective, it's been kind of heartbreaking for me to have so many people I see turn and be like, what do we do as white people? And it's it's like, it's my career to know about criminal justice reform and like certain steps you can take. And I like feel, it's not that I haven't spoken up uh, some and then there's sometimes I'll engage in debate or Twitter or sometimes retweet something about Donald Trump, but it's not like I was an active Participant. I don't think either of us are active participants. A lot of the times, because it feels like it's not our place to be. It's not our battle. And that's, I think, the wrong approach, where it's not enough just to be not racist. Uh, or not. You have to be actively a participant, actively anti-racist. And so I think there is definitely, it wasn't uncomfortable there. And there's like a, with all the backlash that happened with regards to Colin Kaepernick and, I don't know, just a general backlash uh to being a social justice warrior or being someone who advocates for their position is uh I don't know it's a confrontation that I didn't want to really engage with online I mean I I would make fun of people for being mad online and like being passionate about their causes and it's something that I didn't really want to uh deal with but I think that's just it's a kind of the a coward's way out because it's it's too important to 
to not speak about now. And it's so much easier for me to say this now in retrospect, but there's like genuinely things that I know about the criminal justice system because I've studied it and about how fundamentally flawed that is. And for me not to speak about the, at least in, cause I don't necessarily know the answers and I don't think I have the, the greatest answers in terms of what a response should be because I know what can do be done in the system, but I can't tell people how to feel and react, but it's, it's just, um, I think we need to start having a more uncomfortable conversation where it doesn't, it shouldn't matter who you, uh, possibly offend by, you know, saying what's right morally or saying what the right thing is. And it's do what you can. And I think like where I come in and I'm sorry that this is about me, but I've done a lot of thinking about this because I do work in, in criminal justice about like what I can do to help. And if that's educating people or just like about the nuances of the system or doing something more, I just feel like there's an obligation to do, to do more. It's not enough to just kind of to settle for, uh, yeah, I agree with that statement or uh, but you actually have to kind of advocate for for something greater or else we're going to see what basically happened with Trump. Where is this like racism became a little bit more acceptable in America because, you know what, people like us were not willing to just fight it down at every single chance. And I say people like us very broadly, but I think there's a general lack of uh, willingness to condemn the kind of the shittiness that is Trump and the kind of uh, associated violence that are in and racism that's popped up it's just like there you need to have people actively saying that this is horrible so people are people are we're way too comfortable being racist uh just out in public and that's just in general it doesn't even go to speak to kind of the horrors of of the systematic racism the justice system and uh, police brutality yeah and i mean the george floyd thing was just it, the video is so disgusting him getting killed um, and the aftermath, like, yeah, some of this is, is promising, but there are so many steps it's going to take beyond just protests like this. And when you really think about all the change that needs to happen and all the conversations that need to be had and all the progress that we still need to make, it is daunting, like daunting as hell. It's fucking daunting, but it's like even more reason why it's like we need to be persistent and vocal now because if you let up even a little bit you see like the drastic results and the thing that's like wild about the George Floyd video is that and I think like we could guess we can talk a little little bit more specifics but like the impunity with which the officers acted knowing that they're on camera knowing that like most officers now have police body cameras and just the operating in an environment where they know there's a system in place where they're not accountable for violence and brutality and a murder of innocent people is frankly disgusting. And so there's an instinct and a lot of people will be like, what about the looting now? What about uh, the riots? What about this? It's like, well, there's a level of things where you even bringing that up is part of the problem. You can think looting and rioting is wrong, but police officers are killing black men with impunity and that nowhere reaches like looting or any sort of damage to property at no point reaches the level of societal issue of the per- people who are supposed to be in charge of law and order uh, killing a specific race without any fear of repercussion. Yeah, I mean, these are serious conversations, obviously, but they're conversations that need to be had. And so we we felt that 
you know, with with the Celtics protesting, especially and and it being a part of the conversation around the NBA, around basketball, such an important conversation. You saw Wick Grusbeck, the Celtics owner, come out and with a video to to say that Black Lives Matter and that he wants to to help be part of the solution. Um, so we we felt like it was important to to address this and and share our thoughts on the matter and i think one of the things that's kind of bothered me about some of the support and i, I guess it, it it it's not really a, a bother but i still think people even when they're supporting the black lives matter cause and even when they're trying to use their voices in the right way i still think People are shying away from the confrontation of the difficult conversations that we need to have. And you see a lot of people issuing vague statements or teams issuing vague statements. You see a lot of people not using, you know, specifics to to talk about this situation and to to put their opinion out there. And I think it's important that we're upfront about this shit and and that that yeah i think i saw that uh 28 teams released a statement and like i think only five teams mentioned the word police and two teams mentioned the word police brutality it's like not enough to just say to post a black square and it says it's not enough to say black lives matter there needs to be a con- like a, a a continued conversation where it's not just you have to mention that the the criminal justice system is fundamentally unfair to African Americans and that police have been killing with impunity. There's like basic facts that where it's a platitude towards harmony or uh, why can't we all just be nice to each other is just not not enough. Like just uh, hoping for uh, hoping for peace or hoping for a lack of tension is is actually worse than than anything because you're you're basically making it a you're you're making it so the issue doesn't seem as important and so i think there needs to be more direct conversation about one i think what you can what can be done right now like what you can do to kind of what we can do with collective outrage to demand changes to police accountability uh, but then there needs to just be larger talk, discussions of systemic racism about um Things like redlining, things like the history of the United States is basically built on 400 years of racism. And it's, you can't be afraid to mention that uh, in everyday conversations. And I think I have a lot of thoughts and ideas about specific ways that people can help. I think with relation to police brutality, there's a great organization out there, Campaign Zero, um, started by DeRay McKesson, uh, who is part of the Ferguson protests but he they have eight eight simple things that uh, kind of can be done right now in your local jurisdiction to increase uh, police accountability and reduce police violence um, and I don't know if it's this is the necessarily the forum to get into a full discussion of all that is wrong with the criminal justice system and all that is wrong with uh, police brutality but I will want the listeners to know that uh, if it's if there's more information that you want or something, if you just want to talk about things or understanding of the system or why 
certain like things operating a certain way. I want to be a resource as much as I can. So please feel free to reach out. If it's something you want to hear on the podcast, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, because it's not exactly, it's not easy. Uh, changing the system is, it takes a long time. The entire legislative system that we have is designed on compromise and checks and balances. And so there's no easy solution. Just even like, you know, I think like a lot of people believed like voting for Obama would fit like the idea of a post-racial America came. And it's like, you know what, with the criminal justice system, the president has a pretty limited uh, ability to change things. And so it really comes down to local uh, offices and what your mayor's doing and what your state senator wants. And like that's not something that people genuinely know. And that like, and I think that's something that people need to get educated about. And as I do know a little bit, and so I'm happy to kind of do that if that what people want. But it's it's just it, it's the first step is educating yourself. And so when you do make a statement of solidarity, you know, and someone asks you a question, you know the right response. You don't go, I'm not comfortable answering that. You have to get educated on the topic yourself. Yeah, I, I was talking to a black friend the other day, and he's he's really hurting right now and he said they're killing us bro like they are killing us and it, it stopped me in my tracks because it's that simple and obviously it's it's not that simple it's it's far more than that it's that black people are seen as threats because they're jogging through their neighborhood it's that everything just that alone affects every interaction that a black person has to deal with. I'm assuming just going through life, whereas they are seen as threats, they are seen as criminals, and that has impacts throughout their daily life in terms of it makes them more likely to be killed by police. It makes them more likely to be sentenced to jail. It makes them the most incarcerated individuals there is. It makes uh, any economic opportunity that much harder. It, it's There's just a pervasiveness to it that is... Um, just profoundly shitty. Yeah, and obviously you you chose to get into your line of work because you want to try to make a difference. And right now, like everybody needs to try to make a difference. And so that that's why we decided to have this conversation on the podcast. We were we're not dumb enough to think that we have like the most important voices in any conversation. Um, but right now like it just feels like everybody needs to dig in and and so we didn't want to we didn't want to ignore this because it would have felt cowardly and and it would have been just trying to avoid the most important conversation we should be having right now and and one that's permeated the the NBA landscape obviously and is hugely important to the future of our country. So and it's it's something that I don't think we will talk about once and I hope we just don't talk about once and then completely continue talking about basketball because I think both of us make our li- livelihoods um or we get something from kind of covering the NBA, which is a mostly African-American league. And it's a, a basically where we get our livelihoods and our, uh, a lot of our culture from uh, black culture. And so it's on our, on us, it would be on 
it's just immoral to to kind of can just focus on sticking to sports without mentioning um kind of the horrible injustice that does exist and so i think for today um that's going to be our, our, I guess, our discussion. But please, if you have questions or if there's other things you want to talk about, um, we'll continue to talk about it. And I'm, we'll continue to have thoughts about how things uh, progress with this country moving forward and how um, we see, even in reaction to protests, we have militarized per- police who are ready for fight and continue to brutalize um, people of all races. I think it's a it's not an issue that's going away and it's not an issue that will let go away. And so I don't want our podcast to be a place where it's not something that we're talking about, but I also know that it's neither of us are experts and that our perspective or us reflecting on the issue as two white guys, isn't the most important thing. We should be supporting black voices, amplifying black voices and, um, our podcast will hopefully be a place that does that. Um, but it doesn't matter, I guess, how badly the two of us feel about the situation, because um, that's not the point of it. And so, but it does. I think we're just going to wrap up the kind but of it does. The conversation because we should all feel awful about this. We should. We should. Oh, we all should all feel, feel absolutely angry awful. But we about don't need this. to. So it does matter. But this isn't about us getting us uh, getting out our anger. It's about us showing that this is an issue that is serious and that we will not tolerate uh, kind of being silent on it anymore. I think that's the larger point. But we all should absolutely be outraged, but like us expressing this on the podcast isn't for our own feelings uh, or or to assuage our own feelings of guilt. I just, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more for to try and just take a stand that says this is not something that either of us stand for um, and it's something we will continue to be vocal about. The NBA is back, folks. The governors, the Board of Governors voted on it. The NBA Players Association will vote on it. But the NBA is coming back at some point in July. There will be 22 teams, 9 in the Eastern Conference, 13 in the Western Conference. We're going to get 8 games before the actual playoffs start. It's going to be basketball, which is just uh, fantastic news to hear because uh, that's why we're all here, folks. Basketball is the best. Ball is life. Ball is wife. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Basketball is coming back. It's going to be in a bubble. It's going to be weird. There are going to be no fans. There's going to be a lot of differences between what we're used to and what will happen. Every team will have difficulties that... It would never encounter in a normal season, but basketball is back. And the Celtics may not face the 76ers in the first round, which is probably the biggest takeaway of the new format. The league decided to go with regular season games, eight regular season games, and that could mean that the Celtics get to avoid Joel Embiid in round one. So that that's one takeaway. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait 29 days to see a doctor in US, major U.S. cities. That's almost a month just to see a doctor. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, buddy, 
You want treatment ASAP. You cannot wait a month for that. And that is where our friends at Roman come into play because they have spent years, people, years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state from the comfort of your home. They can do it on your schedule and it's a free online visit that can happen within 24 hours. And then if doctors decide treatment is right for you, boom, drugs are at your door within 48 hours. So it's basically 72 hours to get from full doctor's appointment to getting the treatment that is right for you. 72 hours. It's fantastic. There's also with Roman, there's no commitments. You can cancel any times. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Celtics for free online visit and two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Celtics. Another takeaway, the Grizzlies. So right now, the, the Pacers and Sixers are tied, right? Sorry to cut you off. We'll get to Grizzlies talk later, but... Buddy, there's going to be Grizzlies stuff. But the Pacers and Sixers are tied right now. Does that mean Celtics fans should be rooting for one team or the other? Or do you just like wait and see what happens in the first couple of games? Um, because we, I think we both agree that there's a little chance that the Celtics are going to capture uh, the Raptors, who they're three games back of. Um, a lot of... Uh, uh, I was about to say a lot of a lot of sexy talk about the Heat uh, recently, and by that I mean I listened to Zach Lowe's podcast, and he said he was excited to see what the Heat do, but they are two and a half games back of the Celtics, if I have my standings correct. I don't see the Celtics losing that much ground in eight games, and so it really comes down to that kind of five-six matchup where you either play the Indiana Pacers or the 76ers, and I think the Celtics could beat the 76ers. I know the Celtics would beat the Indiana Pacers. And so that's a lot easier. Yeah, I, I feel like like every team, <laughs> any team in the Celtics position would prefer to play the Pacers. And maybe that's not fair to DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon. They've got a good team over there in Indiana. It's just not as talented as Philadelphia. And Joel Embiid, the Biggest mismatch at the center position, probably for the Celtics to handle, is a different type of beast. And obviously Embiid hasn't been on par this season with where he was in previous seasons. Obviously his his shape and condition is a wild card right now after a couple months away, but he's just dangerous. And the Sixers, even though they've had their problems, even though... They're a few months away, won't change their fit issues. They are talented as hell, and they are big as hell, and they are tough to match up against, and they are tough to score against. And the Celtics should absolutely hope that the Sixers end up somewhere other than the sixth seed and that the Sixers end up playing someone other than Boston in the first round. So that was like probably the main takeaway for, for the Celtics from the format the NBA agreed upon is that they may get fortunate and may be able to miss out on playing Joel Embiid. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, Sixers, Raptors, Bucks road to the finals would be as tough as it gets in the Eastern Conference. That would like those would be the only thing that would have been harder would be the when they were doing one through sixteen. Um was Clippers, Raptors, no, no, what was it? Sixers, Clippers, Bucks to the finals. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been a doozy. Would have been a doozy. And then 
So I think we're going to get a doozy no matter what's happening because it's going to be wild, wild stuff uh, in the NBA. I mean, the thing that's crazy about the Sixers, and I'm saying this based on what I think to be true after uh, in a normal season is like they never really figured out their offense, their half court offense. But also in the playoffs, like everything slows down and that might be a detriment to their office, but also makes like their giant players and like physicality like that much harder to score on. But then there's just this crazy randomness where it's like we've never had a like a two month, three month break in the middle of the season. Like we just have no idea how teams are going to react or how players are going to react. Who's going to come in and out of shape? Who's going to be focused? Like how teams are going to come back together. There's just a whole crazy level of randomness that is, frankly, it's uh, very exciting. And every team, every year there are a few teams that just show up and everyone thinks that they'll continue either their, their good vibes from the previous season or will continue to stink like they did the previous season and just turn it around one way or another. And... Now that's just going to happen in the middle of a season. And teams... Like, the Utah Jazz are are screwed. Like, there's no way the Utah Jazz are going to come back and be like, yeah, man, everything's cool. Let's put the teamwork and effort in to do this together because we're all very cool with each other now. It's like, no, those guys seriously don't like each other and probably have not spent any time with each other since. Like... We don't know what the team dynamics are with like any like other team. Like, there's just like a weird thing where you just have no idea like what it's going to be. Some like. jazz slander, just just some jazz slander. But yeah, but I mean, the jazz brought it on themselves. Yeah, that, that's true, and and that's I mean that's an extreme circumstance because the jazz lost Bogdanovich to a season-ending ending injury, and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert both got the coronavirus, and both kind of have issues with each other at this point. So that's an extreme example. But other teams will be going through whatever, too. And some guys will be in great shape. Other guys won't. There will be... What if what if someone comes back in terrible shape and then his all his team is pissed off at him because he's, like, not taking it seriously? Like, there's... <laughs> There's just like an element of... Fat like, shaming. I'm fat, just shaming t- fat, fat shaming. Fat shaming tore down the bucks. I would like to... <laughs> Robin Lopez came back 30 pounds overweight and it just ruined the Bucks. <laughs> and then they were doing the fake wrestling and he accidentally just broke Giannis's nose, ruined the season. There, there you go. You're, you heard it here first. There you go. Anything could happen. You see, like, that's a perfectly cromulent reason, like, thing that could happen because we don't know. I mean, there's they're going to play eight games. There's a wild, like, thing going on in the West, be like, where there's a number of teams. It's, like... 22 is just a, an odd number to me because the Wizards don't need to be there and the Suns don't need to be there. Like, they're the Suns are, are bad and the Wizards are also bad. Even like even if John Wall came back, maybe that would be interesting. But the, but the Wizards are, the Wizards like are at least chance of in ninth place. Like, they are the closest team to eighth in the Eastern Conference. And so the way the NBA made it is there's an automatically a play-in game uh, if the ninth seed is with, within four games. And so the Wizards just have to make it within four games, and then they have a chance to kind of play things for it. And they could easily beat the Magic and then um, get- because, you know, Bradley Beal is very good. And so maybe it's—I guess, okay, I, you, you talked me into the Wizards being there. Give me an argument for the Suns being there. I, I, I do— I- 
I think the Wizards and Suns being there introduces the possibility of tanking in the bubble. With basketball potentially returning soon, the debate rages on. Who is the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is a GOAT of men's grooming. Manscaped, people. It's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. You know, the most fun types of grooming. They have ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, reducing snags left and right. You can design your own triangle offense down there. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game. They have a perfect package 3.0 essentials kit. I don't even know what's involved in that, but I know that I want it. Oh, they'll tell you what's involved. It comes with a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 water resistant cordless body trimmer performance boxer briefs. Not just regular box of briefs, but these are performance box of briefs and a travel bag for when you're done quarantining. You can subscribe to the Peak Engine plan, get blade refills, uh, everything's safe, and then you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. I mean, they're doing wonderful stuff for the people. They clearly are the goat of men's grooming. There could be tanking in the bubble. Like, sitting Bradley Beal in games is definitely on the table. Like it, Just to get a little bit better of lottery, has the NBA ruled on, like, how that would affect it? Because Yeah, I think the... The Wizards have to be really bad to, like, uh, drop below whoever the... I think the Hornets are the next worst team. So they can't um, drop... Like, the, the I think the, the teams that weren't... The top eight lotteries are already set. That's like already set based on who's out. But then the other teams, it's going to go to um, – it's going to combine the regular season and the new regular season. So so the thing that's crazy there is the teams have different number of games. And so you can win the same amount of games and have like have one extra game and it, like what you did in that one extra game – will be determining whether or not you move on to the playoffs. Like it's is it it's by winning percentage I would presume. I don't know if they fully announced all these rules but like definitely odd tiebreakers it makes statistics weird. It's just a a completely bizarre scene and it does have speaking of the draft and lottery draft implication for the Celtics because if the Grizzlies who were I think slated to make the playoffs end up dropping out of the playoffs, that pick will go to the Celtics, right? That is correct. So the Grizzlies, if the current standings had held and if they had gone straight into a playoffs, would have conveyed the 17th pick to the Celtics. In the format the NBA decided on, the Grizzlies could theoretically drop out of the playoffs. They could theoretically then convey the 14th pick instead to the Celtics. Huge deal, I know. Or, or... And this is this is getting crazy. The Grizzlies could miss out on the playoffs, get lottery luck, get a, it would be a super long shot. But then that pick would roll over to the Celtics next season. And so, what is the protection for this year? Top, top six. six, yeah. Oh, so that's really rooting for a long shot. Although all the all the draft Twitter people are like. This is the worst draft ever. You like any chance at next year, uh, the next year's draft is better. But so Celtics have a chance if the the Grizzlies fall into a lottery. So just like heavily rooting against the Grizzlies for eight games, which you know it's good to have a Western Conference enemy. 
Who do you think would be the most interesting team? That's I already answered it. It's going to be the Pelicans if they made it into the playoffs. But like, who do you want in the playoffs um, in the West? I just want Zion. Feed feed me Zion. I mean, yeah, it's it's so obvious. Feed me Zion. And, Zion versus LeBron. And and you could say Portland. That's amazing. You could say Portland because Portland, I think, will have Nurkic back, and Portland, I think, will have Collins back, and like us. And Damon, assuming Damian cool. Lillard actually like wants to play, <laughs> um, yeah, important. Then the Blazers could be hell. The Blazers could be like a a sneaky tough eight seed if they sneak in. I, I don't care about seeing Sacramento. Is there any team I definitely don't, don't want to see, see San Antonio. No, Sacramento. No, see that's the thing is like it really is. Um, you want if you're a Celtics fan, if you're just a fan of basketball in general, you want the Trailblazers. No, who's more exciting? I feel like the Grizzlies actually making the playoffs with John ja Morant and JJJ would be kind of an exciting young team. No, because they would just, just get, get stomped on. Yeah, don't you think the Pelicans would get stomped on too? Is anybody's just, probably going to get stomped on? But, but I'd be I'd be far more excited to see Zion, and I think Portland could actually make a couple games at least interesting. So. And New Orleans is kind of talented beyond Zion. Like they got, they got they got Drew Holiday. They got they've got Drew JJ Holiday. Redick. They got some players. Yeah, they, they've got they got a lot of NBA players. They beat the shit out of the Celtics in New Orleans. Yeah, they. Um, I think it'd be most interesting. Yet it's 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 going to be wild because in the West between there's actually could be some movement there just between the Rockets and Nuggets. There's like two and a half games separates that. Um, it, it it it's craziness. It's gonna be wild. We don't know. Like this has never happened before, and so uh, it's exciting for uh, just the basketball fan and everyone. I think. Well, I guess to focus in on the Celtics, like what do you think is the most important thing for them in terms of moving forward, or like what do they need to establish in that first eight games in order to go into the playoffs, like feeling the best about themselves? I think number one is Jason Tatum playing like he did in February. If Jason Tatum is at that level, then he's either the second best player in the Eastern Conference or the third best player in the Eastern Conference. For now, well, Kevin Durant remains injured. Um, And, like, he was averaging 28 points, seven rebounds, and three-point-something assists for almost a two-month span on outrageous three-point percentages. If he can do that in the playoffs or close to that in the playoffs, then that's that's a huge deal. And obviously, like, this is an unprecedented time. Guys were away from gyms. They couldn't play pickup. He doesn't even have a basketball. Like, he hasn't been shooting. He didn't have a basketball hoop for a while. So <laughs> there's a lot of variables to this. And who knows whether he comes back at that level. Obviously, he's going to still be really good regardless. But, that like... There's a difference between him, what he was at the start of the season. There's a huge difference between him, what he was at the start of the season, and him, what he was the last couple months of the season. If 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 so, in those eight games, do you think you like force him the basketball or like try to get him to more shots? Because it's like also like he's been very good while Kemba's been on the court because of all the attention Kemba gets. Like there's a definitely a symbiotic relationship there and. Kemba has the potential to go off in the playoffs and be the stars. Like, 
are you just trying to like, establish any one of those players in the eight games, like getting them more looks? Like, what do you like? What do you think? Brad I don't think Stevens. Is I don't gonna, think you try to establish is, like playing team defense. I don't think you try to establish like, playing within the any offense? one player. I think the the bigger focuses are on all the stuff that put the Celtics on a fifty five win pace in the first place, which is play together, play defense, rotate as like hell, have sharp double teams. Like all that stuff, you you kind of have to relearn when you go away for a few months, and that that's all the stuff that in early training camp coaches focus on a lot is all the the stupid stuff that that can kind of kind of becomes habit during the course of a season. But now it's gone, and so do you think? Do you think that this like comeback, this two weeks of training camp, eight games, playoffs, it will be make coaching? More important, where it's like the the coaches who can get their team to gel the quickest or the team that has built up the most habits where it's like easier for them to get back in. Do you think that makes coaching more important or not just like me wanting to believe in Brad Stevens more? I think I think there's I mean, coaching is is certainly important right now, but like also we're players on top of their conditioning throughout this hiatus. We're like that's a huge deal. We're we're players. Like, will their skills be sharp when this when this comes back? That's a big deal. And I, I I think there are just so many unknowns right now that it's hard for me to say. Like, yeah, coaching is more important. Like habits. Like you just got to relearn habits. And I I I don't. I know, but like Brad Stevens talks about like building championship habits over the course of a season. It's like, can you rebuild those in freaking? A month? Are those have to have some sort of base of that already established? Is like does teams with continuity from previous seasons have a better chance because they've already like they know more consistently? I don't know. I, these are all the kind of just hypothetical questions because we have no idea what's going to happen because it's there's no prior uh, evidence of anything. So everything is a guess. That's going to be the best thing about NBA Twitter is just everyone's just going to be having all of their theories about like why a ter- certain team is gelling or like things like that. And it's all going to be based on nothing and nonsense and it's going to be wonderful. It, yeah. And, and there will be a team that was like humming before the shutdown that just can't find it again. And there will be a team that Nobody or a player who just has like a bad two weeks and this is like nope they're bad bad from three now yeah and there will be a team that nobody expected to do much when things were normal that all of a sudden like looks a lot more cohesive and holy shit like young player X looks good and, and man they could go really far like, there's just gonna be we've never seen anything like this it's and I think the basketball could be really bad. Like I think it could be disgusting. I think the shooting percentages at the start could you, be gross. I think I have hope. I have hope that after eight games they can get it together. But maybe that's just like putting too much emphasis on the playoffs. But like eight games, I don't know. By the ninth game of the season, it's, it's not, not like a you, normal. Like this is shitty. Basketball. It's not a normal off season though. Like guys have been away. Guys haven't been playing pickup guys haven't been doing all the normal things that they normally they haven't been working with their skills trainer every day like it's not normal right now and normally there would be a longer training camp normally there would be a preseason normally there'd be 
all these things. Like normally guys would have the chance to maybe move back to the Boston area for a month or so before the season so that they can start playing together and working together. And none of that is there. And so I, I just think the the level of unknown is huge. I think the potential for gross basketball <laughs> is huge. And you gotta be an optimist, Jay. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see like it's a basketball. Like, back, are the baby. Bucks still a juggernaut? Probably. Like you have to assume so, but like, and we the thing is, we just like have collected no new data about like where these teams are. So it's just like they're gonna start in completely different places, and so you would have to assume you give them the benefit of the doubt that they're a juggernaut, but who knows? I mean. What if the Bucks like the Sixers are amazing at playing at home? Now they're not going to be playing at home anymore. Like unless they give Joe, but well, they're not going to be playing on the road either. Times <laughs> they're not going to be playing that on. That's true. That's a crazy thing. Like, what do you think? Like there, there were some dumb suggestions to try to improve home court advantage, including bringing the actual wood from the home court. That was uh, the most insane thing I've read over fouls. the last few months. I don't even get how that gives you an advantage at all. Like that's that's. Stupid. Um, yeah, like this, this isn't is this isn't the like nineteen seventies when you you knew like the dead spot in the Boston Garden floor. Like this, this isn't that anymore. All these courts are the same. <laughs> They're all the same. They may look a little different. All these courts are like checked by people from the league. Have you ever been there like pregame where like they make sure to measure that the rim is ten feet away and that like the lines are in the same like place? Like this is a pretty well regulated system where no one's going to get an advantage by like the colors of the court. Yeah, this is. Uh, <laughs> I was dying laughing reading that report. I really was. I was like, "Geez, guys, it, it's like who do you think who, who do you think was advocating for that? Like, who do you think believes in their own their home hardwood that much? I like the Celtics have the I feel like the most famous the powers parquet, of the park. So maybe it was them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that was definitely the wildest thing I saw. That I read throughout throughout this entire time period. Um, let's get. What do you think the environment's going to be like during the games? Like, I hope our I players hope from other teams going to be watching. I hope they give us some access that we wouldn't normally have. I hope we get to listen to players mic'd up. Yeah, you have that idea that like players from other teams could just be sitting in the stands giving interviews. Like, give an interview, give a quick shout out. Like, maybe mic one of them up. Have a camera on them when, like, a cool dunk happens? Because that's the thing that's going to be, I think, the most different is, like, Jason Tatum dunks on LeBron James and, like, the the team calls a timeout. Like, everyone's going crazy. Everyone's going back to the bench. Like, there's going to be some people in the crowd. But if you can see, like, actual players reacting to a huge moment in the uh, basketball game, like, I think that's what makes it fun is uh, kind of just, like, showing how... Because, like, you talk about – Brad Stevens talked about this on his phone call. I think it was either last week or two weeks ago about, like, the possible intensity of just, like, practices where people are – like, I think the intensity is going to be there. I don't think, like, the home crowd has much of a impact on that. But it does change kind of all of the theatrics afterwards. And so why not introduce personalities we already know, just be in the crowd and just, like, talk about what happens or just, like, react as a team. I think it would be great. Yeah, that that'd be cool if if players were allowed to go to other games, and like they're going to be in the bubble unless they go on the rides. Where else are they going to be? They they are going to be in the bubble. Yeah, so 
I mean, that that would be really cool if you could, like, if Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid were going at it and then you could, like, cut to LeBron James watching in the stands and see his reaction. That I like that idea. I'm not going to lie. I like that idea a lot. But I, I also like the idea of, like, players on other teams giving input and talking their shit during in-game interviews while in the stands. That'd be fun, too. Oh, yeah. Play it over the Jumbotron, too, so the players in the crowd, players during the game can hear it. Yes, yes. Turn turn this into, like... <laughs> now we're getting there. Now we're thinking WWE TV production. Just... just. I think it's, it's going to be interesting how they handle it, because I feel like there's an... Ob- like, everyone's just been talking about miking up players, and I feel like they're just going to do it, because clearly that, that's what the fans want. I really hope they don't do it as, like, previous miked up where it's like you everything has to be approved by the team. It happens like you see a, a kind of a, a cut of five or six clips from over the game. It's like, no, you need to just like hear the stuff live. Um, and if someone swears or says something offensive, you like can dump that. But like, you know what? It's just like, I think it would be cool just for an appreciation of like how much communication is going on. I don't think it'd be like that salacious. Um, but it would be just a cool way to be more intimate in the game in a setting where because there's no fans, you're going to be able to hear a lot more. So just like, you know what, do that in service to the fans. And so people can appreciate the game that much more. Hey, all there local business owners out there. If you are a fan of anything is potable and want to get in touch with listeners in the Boston area, what better way than to promote your favorite podcast? Joining in with Jay and Jam. We are very loyal to any sponsor we have. I will sign my life away to you. I'll I'll become your biggest fan if you join the Anything is Potable product. And we have loyal listeners who are very engaged in the product. And the endorsement of Jay and Jam, I think, is exactly what it takes uh, to get your business to the top. And I mean, what better way to advertise and have some fun with your favorite podcast? So uh, if you want to advertise with us, go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads and then you can just fill out a very simple form we'll get right back to you so go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads if you want anything is potable on your side yeah i think that would be cool i think i mean i i'm i'm just guessing here for the most part but i think if you did mic up players and had some of that available trash talk would be the smallest portion of the communication it would probably be mostly like guys instructing teammates where to go and that would be cool to me like like if you could hear Marcus Smart as soon as the other team calls out a play like pointing his teammates in a certain direction and telling them you got to go there you got to go there whatever that'd be really interesting and and seeing which players take on that role it would give us such a better imp- uh like appreciation of how much goes into defense because it's it's tough to see like while you're watching at home it's tough to see even from like watching a game from a distance but like if you get the opportunity which I I've only gotten a couple times mostly uh, in Orlando but you sit like right there on the baseline and they're doing a lot of talking you're like oh wow this is a lot more intricate than I just like even knew and that's from like me watching a lot of basketball, but you don't realize the, con- the kind of constant communication the guys in, and especially when like Marcus Smart or LeBron is apparently the king of this of just like knowing other teams' plays, um, the kind of appreciation for how much like how smart those guys are on defense, I think would be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool, and I think 
I mean, while we're talking about this, I think the NBA should be thinking of those ideas to keep those ideas. Because I, I think like glorifying the the details of the game and showing how incredible some of these players' minds are would would just be fascinating from a fan perspective. And I, I think that that's a that's an area that like not a lot of people realize sometimes and it can can get overlooked. But it, any insight any further insight into like the intellect of the players and the communication that goes on would be awesome. It would that would be really and, interesting. And it's tough to like get the like the players to explain it because it's so like pretty innate to like what they're doing out there. But the crazy things are like the stories about LeBron where he knows the other teams play and he's like, yo, no, you're like you did the wrong action there. And he's telling the other team what they should be doing on their own play. Like that takes an incredible encyclopedic knowledge of like everything and just movement on the basketball court. It's wild. And so anything that can just show that would be uh, it'd be basketball porn. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I need it. I also need, and I'm going to take a, a cheap <laughs> shot at Robert Williams here. I'm sorry. This is like low-hanging fruit. But I also need to hear like the screw-ups in defensive communication. Like <laughs> I, I need Robert Williams to just point a teammate the wrong way and then the teammate yell back at him like, Robert, no, 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 that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. You're, you're telling me to go the wrong way. I need that too. Like that exchange, it would be enlightening and it would be interesting. And obviously like some players would – get thrown under the bus by the audio coming to light. But I just think the the more we can get of those interactions, the the more interesting it will be and the more we'll know about what actually is going on on the court. So I'd be really interested in that. And it'll be an interesting time to like evaluate like the types of personalities and like um I think you would say leadership, but I think that's hard to evaluate, but like the how much guys are like positive or like hyping other guys up or be like forget about it like how vocal certain players are because it's not like it's you get a sense that like Marcus Smart's very vocal but maybe it's it's just you see a side of a guy that you don't normally see I just think it's an opportunity to kind of show all of the things that go out on the court that I think like we get the benefit of seeing kind of a closer view because we get to go to the games but it's it's a, a, a great opportunity to show it to the larger fans, which because I think like that's why kind of we have such appreciation is because we kind of can see those things. And so you're right. If it's something that works and they can like do it without like, I think a lot of the teams are scared of like giving up secrets about like how they coverage stuff. That's like why we get the shitty mic'd up or that we get. But now every coach knows how a, an opposing secrets. team covers stuff no matter what. Like they get that from the film study. It's not a secret. Yes, Jay, but you're trying to approach this with reason where other people clearly act irrationally with this stuff. Otherwise, we'd get cooler quotes. Like, it's always <laughs> Brad Stevens being like, you got to hustle. You got to, like, improve on every play. He's just, like, some Kaizen nonsense. And you know what? I want to hear actual strategy. But we never get that because coaches are weird about this stuff. Brad Stevens refuses to tell the other team the starting lineup until the very last possible moment. That, that is a Brad Stevens thing. <laughs> that is a very Brad Stevens thing to do. He he loves the so I the I don't think he's going to improve any. He's not going to improve himself. I'll prove him being mic'd up because he doesn't want people to know his personality. But he's the one who and said he wanted more gonna, mic'd up stuff. He said that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, then Brad is an advocate I of all wrong. this stuff. Brad Brad wants the people to hear the that X's and O's or more more about the. What's going on on the court? 
I mean, in, in leader Brad, we trust. I mean, yeah, he seems like a smart guy. I, I'm with him on that. Yeah, I think. Okay, let's let's briefly discuss like other variables for the Celtics and coming back because like there are so many unknown variables right now. There, there's more unknowns about the NBA than there ever has been with eight games left in a regular season. What is like the the biggest? thing that could go right could go wrong could be a swing to you i go like you know what you're gonna get from marcus smart like he's gonna be balls to the wall at all minutes great defense some games he'll probably make like 10 threes some games he'll probably make go for two for 10 from three but (laughs) like that's what you're gonna get i feel like hayward like I would think that the time off would help is he's because he was still kind of dealing with an injury, but I also think like he's the ultimate guy playing within the system and he's going to get you like 15 points, eight, eight boards, five assists. Like he's just like whatever you need that time. So I like think he's pretty consistent. There's not a lot of swing guys. I think the question is like, can the bench step up at all? Like the, the Celtics are pretty reliant on their top five guys, plus Tice, although Tice plays less than the other ones, but like playing 30 minutes or 35 minutes a game, and they just need someone else to step up, especially on the bench and yeah. provide some scoring. And so maybe it's Grant Williams, you know, getting that magic from Kemba Walker. Maybe uh, Brad Wanamaker steps up. Maybe Romeo just comes back, has gone through puberty and is a new <laughs> man. Um, but, you know, it's just like, who, like, I don't know. I I don't have fit, like I don't have a belief that anyone can really swing that high. Like so, I don't know. I do, I have no reason to believe anyone's going to come back to like drastically improved. Um, I think the swing is like w- what we mentioned before with Tatum and like Kemba could be a uh, step up, but I think Jalen. I don't know. I think I need the like Jalen Kemba and Tatum could all kind of rise to the occasion. But I still think the issue would be bench scoring, and I just don't have any reason to believe those guys are going to magically show up in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I think the backup center spot is a huge issue too because Cantor will just have some tough matchups. And Robert Williams, who knows? Grant Williams, like he's a six foot six non-shooter if you try to use him at center, may not work. All the time, teams will definitely hop way off him and sag way off him. So, like, there are a lot of questions at center. There are a lot of questions. The rest of the bench, too, beyond Marcus Smart, will just have a lot of questions. Um, like, they just need like a – if they could just have a guy – like, what what would they need? Like, three three-pointers from their bench every night? Like, if they got – yeah. Like a three from Grant Williams, a three from Brad Wanamaker. <laughs> I, I guess. Shemi uh, Ojale? Yeah. Like, like if they could get. The odd game where Shemi plays and he just like is like two of three from three. Yeah. Like, I feel like every three that a player makes could be like crucial for their spacing. Like, like if. if Especially in the If playoffs. someone has a random like Aaron Baines postseason where they just start hitting everything. Like that could be that could be a huge huge difference because okay so who's most likely who's most likely to do that I think it's Grant Williams I think he's gonna get a chance like the playing time because he's just like big and 
um, it offers size in a way that I'm shocked to hear myself say this. I feel like Grant is offers more size than Shemi, who has like a thick jack frame. Um, but Grant just plays bigger, and I think he'll get more chances on defense. And so, kind of the more chances there, he'll be more likely to kind of and get he'll the chance be to knock down threes. Wide open, wide open. Oh yeah. The, in the, but so will Shemi. Like who? Like this year, who was more? Who would be more confident in making a three? I feel like Shemi improved. I'm not looking at the numbers at all, so I have no idea what the percentages are. But Grant really struggled to start the year, and then came on and made a little bit. But I feel like Shemi was way more consistent shooting threes. But this is based on nothing. This is based on feeling alone. No, the, I mean the stats. The stats bear it out that that Shemi showed some improvement in Woo! in that way. Um, so you you were. I'm a professional sports fan, bro. <laughs> Congrats, man. That was a, a big accomplishment <laughs> to be a professional sports fan. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Grant Williams is a – but and he doesn't have to go Aaron Baines. But if if he shoots like 36% on wide open threes, like that could be the difference between someone closing out on him and not closing out on him. It's And someone closing out on him could mean Kemba Walker has a – path to the bucket like that that could be a big thing and then the other thing I do think I'm interested to see Kemba and maybe it's just because he hasn't been to the playoffs in a while and maybe I'm just like like wondering what he'll look like in the playoffs but you see uh, you're putting the playoffs on a pedestal uh, I may just be putting the playoffs on a pedestal (laughs) but, but playoffs are different man playoffs are different teams have so long to lock in take away your your strengths force you into some of your weaknesses. And Kemba wasn't healthy last time we saw. Obviously, he's probably more healthy now. He's had time to recover. But I I wonder whether he'll be just good. He'll definitely be good no matter what. Or whether he has a chance to like have a Damian Lillard-type postseason where he just kind of has some huge games, some huge shots, and just builds his reputation I, I think he has the potential for that. I, I'm i interested to see what actually happens. Like, playoff Kemba, to me, the thing is that's, another the thing. The thing that's wild is that, like, he's had to do that before his one time in the playoffs, like, alone. I think the thing that makes the Celtics, a, like, an interesting team and a kind of a quirky team is that the players with playoff experience are the young guys. Like, Jalen Brown has been every year to the playoffs. Jason Tatum's been to the playoffs in Eastern Conference Finals. And Smart has been there. And so they actually, like, I feel like that allows Kemba to kind of be more uh, in the moment because he doesn't have to be the guy on the playoff team. Like, there's other guys there to support him. And so hopefully the time off will be better for his knee because he clearly wasn't the same um, before, like, the kind of the break he didn't have... He was still good. He's still a solid point guard, but he wasn't like a 30-point. You know, Kemba, like, yeah, he would have those, like, just very casual 30-point games where it's like you just didn't realize that he scored 30, but he got to the free throw line a bunch. He just wasn't as effective at the rim. Again, this is not based on any factual data. This is based on my feelings alone, but... um it felt like uh, he was definitely a little bit limited, and so hopefully he can come back uh, rested, no fluid in his knee, uh, and kind of rise to that moment because he has that support of guys who've already been to the playoffs. And 
you know what, maybe Jason Tatum take is takes all the attention of a team and he can be the a second banana. That I think the Celtics are very well positioned in they have a number of guys can take over games. The question is like can you do that kind of like star by committee or do you have to have a, a number one guy in the in the playoffs? Like does it have to be Tatum or does it have to be Kemba? Yeah, and obviously like part of what makes the Celtics good is that they have four guys who can do everything and then Marcus Smart who who can do more yeah, who, who's just like like uh, as unique a, a player as there is in the league so that like their strength I I was gonna say their strength is in the numbers but then I was gonna just jack a bad warrior that's saying. on a t-shirt so, so <laughs> their strength is in their their top tier depth like very few teams have five guys as good as their best five players um but i do think like if either kemba or tatum has just a monster series or a monster playoff run then that makes a a huge difference for them and it it won't be the only factor obviously bench bench production will be major getting away with ennis cancer minutes from time to time like those those minutes. He's gonna get destroyed by the Raptors if they play the Raptors. Yeah, that that's a like maybe he can match up with Marcus Saul, but like they can go Abaca and then. But then I feel like Fred VanVleet and Kyle no Lowry just scoot right by him and Siakam. Yeah, yeah. so it, that's a really bad matchup for him. Um, but like if 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 your star just takes over and has huge games and and I think Kemba and Tatum both have potential to have. Like really loud series and really a really loud playoff run, and obviously there's a lot of uncertainty right now in everything in the NBA. So I'm I'm interested to see exactly what they get out of those guys and exactly how powerful those two guys will be. Because I mean, if if they're both playing well, stopping them at the end of games is going to be brutal. Because they do two man, and you saw it when they played the Clippers, and Tatum had that incredible game against Kawhi. They are just so tough to stop in a two man game when they're both playing well. So that those two guys, to me, and I, I mean, I think there are there are like I said, there are a lot of guys that could come back better, could come back worse. The chemistry could be there, could not be there, but we don't know. We, There's so much randomness. We don't know shit. This has never happened. We never before. know shit, but now we and, know less shit than we ever knew before. Oh yeah, we like we act like we knew shit based on like some patterns, but we really didn't know anything. Now we really don't know anything, and we're still gonna act like we know stuff. And it's like that is NBA Twitter and NBA fandom and covering the NBA. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The randomness is back. Uh, anything is potable. We never left, but we're back again. Uh, we're going to be releasing more episodes as the season comes back and the Celtics return to action. Thank you guys for listening uh, to this episode. If you liked us, please subscribe. Uh, five stars, all the stuff podcast uh, host asks you to do. Um, if you just want simple information on, uh, I guess, police brutality and things you can do to 
change affect change in your neighborhood, I would suggest going to campaignzero.com. They can show you eight things that currently change about police brutality in your community. And it's a fantastic cause that is uh, there to end police violence. Um, Thank you for listening and uh, tune in to the next episode of Anything is Potable.